The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. What do you do when you wanna go to medical school, but you're a single mom? That's what our guest today is gonna talk about. When she realized she needed to go to medical school, but was also a single mom at the time. We talk about her journey from first working with children with autism to being in medical school with a child with autism and the struggles that have come with that, the amazing advocacy that she has done for herself when finding a medical school and now looking forward to finding potential residencies that can support her and her child moving forward. The pre-med year, session number 489. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today, taking some time out of your busy day to listen to an amazing interview that I do with Megan about her journey to medical school, now a fourth year medical student looking at applying to residencies soon and all of the work that she's doing to find a residency that will work for her, the same work that she did when finding a medical school that ended up being one school that she applied to with the help of an amazing support system from her mom, all of the amazing support from her classmates that you hear about. She has thrived in medical school while being a single mom of a child with autism. This is a great, great interview. I can't wait for you to listen to it and hopefully get some encouragement that whatever you are dealing with in your life, it can be overcome with a lot of support, with a lot of intentionality, and with a lot of courage. Before we jump into our episode today, I want to talk about the MCAT Minute brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. Selecting a test date is key to making sure that your application cycle is successful. I talked to too many students who take the MCAT in August, applying after they take the MCAT, waiting till they get their score, and then applying and finishing secondaries and all that stuff. Remember that medical school admissions for the far majority of schools in this country work on a rolling admissions basis, which means the earlier your application is in and complete, including that MCAT score, the sooner you will be reviewed for an interview and potentially an acceptance. So make sure that you are planning your MCAT earlier rather than later. I generally say the end of June is my kind of safe spot You can take it later, but you're risking more and more that you're going to be later in the cycle and potentially lose out on the ability, even with a good application. So try to take your MCAT as soon as possible. And the more that test date is slipping for you, the more you should think about waiting a year to apply. 
Go to blueprintmcat.com for all of their amazing free resources, including their study planner tool to help make sure that you're ready when your test day rolls around. Megan, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Um, I have um, a huge, huge uh, love of talking to non-traditional students, um, both because I love hearing those stories and to give some motivation to other students on their journey to medical school or wherever they're going. Let's start with when you first realized that you wanted to be a doctor. So I actually started off as a nurse. I was just, I had just had my son and was a single mom and kind of thought about going to medical school and then decided that it wasn't going to be possible and I would be a nurse practitioner. So became a nurse, went to a DNP program and then found out that I couldn't do some of the research I wanted and some of the complexity that I wanted to work with just wasn't really going to be possible. And so I decided to go to med school. (laughs) Why not? All right. So I want to rewind a little bit because it sounds like you became a nurse, but you wanted to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. So, so rewind before that. Did, did you go to nursing school as a stepping stone to medical school? Was that the idea? No, I actually went as a stepping stone to be a nurse practitioner. I thought that that would be kind of a good compromise to let me give some time with my son and let me do what I wanted to do. Okay, um, okay, okay. So we, we got to yeah. rewind even more. You wanted to be a doctor even before then? Mm-hmm. Okay, why? When? Let's Let's go back to that time. Um, I think I first realized that I wanted to kind of pursue being a physician or a provider when I first started working with kids. Um, I did my bachelor's degree in psychology mm. and started working with kids with autism and Down syndrome in particular, like in the school setting, okay. and talked with their parents. And they were so frustrated because they couldn't find anyone who like had the training to take care of their medical issues who could also handle their like behavioral issues. Mm -hmm. And so I started looking a little bit more and actually saw a residency that covers pediatrics and psych and child psych and was like, you know what? I think that's what these patients need. Yeah. Um, How do I get that? Yeah. (laughs) And so so how far out of school was this kind of revelation? About two years. Okay. So uh, mid twenties, roughly at that point yeah. going, okay, I think I want to go to medical school. This sounds interesting. Yes. Uh, I'm serving families and kids, but I want to serve in a different way and a little bit more, mm-hmm. but then you have a child of your own. Yes. Okay. So that's where the, like, well, I want to do this, but I also am a mom now or am going to be a mom. So mm-hmm. I can't do that. Why did you, why did you think you had to compromise? Um, I just, I, I knew that being kind of just doing the whole single mom thing is a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, there's a lot of things going on. You sometimes have issues with childcare, um, affordability. And so taking that extra time to prepare for medical school, go to medical school and all I knew just from talking to some physicians that it was going to be very time consuming. Um, and they were kind of like, you know what, you've got a kiddo who seems like he needs a little extra attention. So, um, 
med school may not be the best option for you. And talking with them, I kind of decided let's, let's try and compromise a little bit. (laughs) So they talked (laughs) you into it a little bit. And you know, one of them said something that I think is really important. She said, try everything before you go to medical school, because if you can find something else, med school is rough. It takes a lot out of you. So if it's not your absolute passion, not the only thing that you can see yourself doing, you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, um, and that, so I did that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very standard uh, saying that that most physicians say is like, like do do anything else. But if you can't see yourself doing anything else, and you can only see yourself being a physician, then sorry, you got to be here. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. That do everything else before medical school. I, I don't know. I think the language potentially I, I I might try there is explore everything. Yes. And, and I think that that's a much better way to put it. Having yeah. Kind of gone down that path. Because <laughs> uh, I really did. I tried yeah. a whole lot of other stuff. First. Well, did you go to PA school? <laughs> no. Oh, I didn't. see, you didn't try everything. <laughs> you should quit medical school. It stopped before it's too late. <laughs> oh, I'm in my fourth year. I don't think I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you, you um, get swayed by some outside opinions to mm-hmm. potentially. And, and at that point, how old was your child? He was about one. Okay. So you're living the single parent life of like, Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, with a one-year-old. So having a, a an infant around, mm-hmm. I, I remember those days. My my youngest is three and a half, so not too far away from those days. There's still a handful these days. So I can understand why that advice seemed logical at the time of like, well, yes. I'm barely holding it together now with, with yes. a one-year-old as a single parent. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I'm not going to go to medical school. Uh, so So it makes sense. I mean, looking back at it now, do, do you think like, you could have ever came to the conclusion that medical school was in your path? You know, looking back at it now, I think I had to do everything that I did to decide that medical school was in my path. Mm-hmm. Um, like everything that I've done, it's made me very non-traditional. I come in not necessarily with a whole lot of like research experience or science experience, but I have a lot of life experience. I know exactly what I want to do. It hasn't changed since I came to med school, which has actually been really nice because I'm not really burning out. I'm constantly approaching rotations is, okay, how am I going to use this? And how am I going to work with these specialties for the kids that I want to work with? Mm -hmm. And so it's allowed me to come in with kind of a different mind frame. And um, I for me personally, I think that I really needed that to be as successful as I have been. Yeah. And that that's awesome. I, I went into medical school wanting to be an orthopedic surgeon. And I took a very different approach. I said, in, instead of your very uh, uh, proper approach of like, how can I integrate this random specialty that may not be super closely related to the thing that I want to do? It, I, I was like, this has nothing to do with orthopedics, so I'm just gonna like not care about this rotation. <laughs> so, so good on you for being more mature than I was uh, at that time. Um, you have gone down this journey. You, you've uh, 
explored everything, uh, mm-hmm. went to nursing school, potentially going down this DNP path. And you were like, I, I need to go to medical school. I, I need to. How much did you fight with yourself of like, but I'm a single mom, but this, but that, like, I'll just make it work or I'll just settle or like, how long did it take you to finally go, I'm doing it? Um, I, th- I think there was a little bit of that off and on for several years, but it was always kind of in the back of my head. Mm. And then once I decided to do it, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm, this is what I want to do. I'm just going to go do it. And I think the day after I decided, I called my parents and was like, so, um, if I get into medical school next year, will you be able to help me with my (laughs) son's like daycare when it comes to clinical rotations? I know, um, you know, getting close to retirement, would you be willing? Yeah. And I got a, yeah, sure. Uh, not sure that you'll get in next year, but okay. And then went and asked for letters of recommendation. And I think I started the application process like two weeks later. Wow. How did you, (laughs) that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. And good on your parents for being there to support. Um, what about prereqs and all of that stuff? Luckily I had actually done several of them for my nursing program. And then the other ones that I hadn't finished yet, I, kind of found accelerated versions of them that I could take it really condensed in about four weeks and cramming a semester's worth of organic chemistry into four weeks. I don't recommend it. Uh, don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who's listening, don't do it. Not a smart move on my part. Um, but I just kind of, when I, when I pick something, I just, I go all in and I just went for it. And I think I was finishing my last prereqs when I got accepted. That's that's pretty amazing. So child in tow, parents offering support. How do you build a school list when you have all of these moving pieces? I wanted to find something that was more family friendly. So I looked for schools that had maybe students who were a little bit more active on social media who talked about having kids. So I joined a few Facebook groups of like moms and medicine um, and things like that related to kind of having a family in med school and did some research as far as that goes. I wanted one that was kind of focused on maybe working a little bit more with rural populations or underserved populations, Mm -hmm. because a lot of the kids that I want to work with are going to fall kind of into that category. Um, And with all of that put together, I ended up completing the applications for um, one school. Just one school. Just one school. And I went all in. (laughs) You went all in. Uh, And apparently it worked because you're a fourth year now. I did. Did did you have to move? Did your parents move with you? Yep. I moved across the country. I was living in Pennsylvania when I decided to apply and then moved to Washington State um, so that I could apply to where I was going and just, uh, kind of went for it. But basically I was moving closer to family or where family wanted to be once they retired. So that helps a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) What was that transition like for your, your child at that point? He was still pretty young. He was about two and a half coming up on three when we first moved for the application process. Um, so he was just super excited. Um, he always likes adventures and enjoys things. He 
has a little bit of a hard time with transition. So we still talked about it a lot, even at that age and just kind of prepared for it and told him that Mm -hmm. we were going to go there so we could be closer to grandma and grandpa and family members. And he was super excited about that and was like, okay, let's go. (laughs) Yes. As, as Daniel Tiger says, when we do something new, let's talk about what we'll do. Um, so we, we take some of that anxiety away. Um, so that's, that's good. (laughs) Medical school, single mom, some family support did, did family support was, were they there day one for you? No. Yeah. How do you, Um, how do you do that? I I don't know. Um, (laughs) my, (laughs) my mom actually came and came when COVID started because his daycare shut down and I was just Mm. like, I, this, I cannot do. This is not possible. Yeah. Um, I need help. And she came and she was like, I don't know how you did this the first year. Yeah. You just kind of do it. Um, you find supports. I had some really good friends. I had classmates who were very helpful. Like I would take him on the weekends to school mm-hmm. and he would run around and meet classmates and classmates would take him for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes at a time while they did a study break so that I could study in between everybody who was in the building that usually got me a couple of hours, um, bigger rooms. I'd get him set up with like toys in the corner yeah, <laughs> and have him playing while I was studying in study groups. Um, so I did a lot of that for anatomy lab. It was towards the end of the day for us and picking up from daycare sometimes was a problem. So I had classmates who would come in with me like during our lunch hour and start our anatomy lab stuff so that we could finish early. I also had instructors and admin who were fantastic. There were some admin who let me just bring him and some toys and he sat in the corner in their office while I went and studied um, different instructors. If I was like, you know, my kid's sick, I, I, I can't come to class today. Mm-hmm. Um, they let me know where things were recorded. If I had questions, I could call them. I could go onto campus. I could email them. So it just finding that family, again, finding that family friendly yeah. kind of situation when I was applying yeah. really paid okay. off. I, my I, support was at school. I want to dive into that. So you found the school that mm-hmm. f- was able to support you. Yes. How did you find that information? A lot of research. Um, (laughs) Looking on Facebook, I called the school. I emailed their registrar. I was very honest and very Mm -hmm. upfront. Um, You know, I'm a single mom. I have some concerns as far as like what happens if my kid gets sick? What happens if I have to leave early from something. What happens if I have to come late because of daycare issues? And this is pre-acceptance as you're doing research to decide where to apply. Okay, good. Yes. Okay. Asking lots and lots of questions. And how do you know they're not gaslighting you going, oh yeah, not, not, won't be a problem. Oh, I don't know if that's the right term for (laughs) the right use of gaslighting, but not lying Um, to you. You know, you, you really don't. And that's when it comes into kind of reaching out on social media. So Mm -hmm. I found some students who were a little bit more active and asked them and reached out directly and said, Hey, can I talk to you? Mm -hmm. And the ones that I initially spoke with, like they didn't have families, but they knew people who did. Yeah. And so they put me in contact with those students and I was able to talk with those students and get their actual perspective of, yeah, this is what the school does for me. And this is what it doesn't. 
and here's how things work on campus. And um, so it was, it was a lot of time spending emailing and calling and, um, I ended up going and touring the school. And when I toured, I brought my son with me so that they could meet him mm-hmm. um, and was just very open of this is my goal, but these are also my um, experiences. And that this is something that has to be considered. And you shouldn't accept me if you can't support that. I love it. And were so, you that literally upfront with them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I, Take it or I, leave it very clear of like this, <laughs> this is the person that you would be accepting and these are the people that you will be ex- accepting yes yes this is a package yes. deal this is this is the pair that you're going to be stuck with for yeah. four years yeah so, <laughs> so uh, sure hopefully um you're a fourth year now or did you just graduate i'm a fourth year now so you're so you have another year before you graduate yes okay all right so hopefully um next year around this time you're, you're, I think your son should get an honorary degree. I think so too. <laughs> I think I think that would be awesome. I will. Uh, um, I think I actually have a connection up at that school, so I'll see if uh, we'll okay. make it make it happen. Um, all right. <sighs> Look, medical school is hard. The mm-hmm. first two years are easier schedule wise, but a lot of work because you have all of the the studying. Mm-hmm. Once you get into clinical rotations, it's two full-time jobs, basically, um, with all of the time that you're putting in in the hospitals doing clinical rotations, potentially traveling for clinical rotations, depending on what, what school you're at. How did, how did you start to make that work? That was where my parents came in, my mom in particular. Um, she was going to be retiring October of my third year. Okay. Um, so last October and she is, was in a position where she could work remotely. And so she came and stayed with us. She helps take care of him. Um, I also have one of my rules is always have at least three backups (laughs) (laughs) at any given time, have three. (laughs) Um, so having that set up was Mm. extremely important, but really it's have your main person and then have every single contingency you can possibly think of. Have somebody who's willing to watch a kid overnight. Have somebody who's willing to watch a sick child. That's a big That's one. That's a big one. Yeah. As, yeah. as I'm finding out, yes. Yes. <laughs> like, my kid's sick. To... Who are we going to get to watch him? Nobody wants to watch a sick kid. <laughs> yeah. And we were throwing in starting kindergarten, starting first grade. Yeah. So it was having someone who, you know, is willing to take the child to school and pick the child up from school. Yeah. Um, and just having those kind of, options in case something happened with my mom who is a godsend yeah i I don't think that i could do it without her because she takes him to his therapies she takes him to his doctor's appointments um Mm. she takes him to school he goes to a special school so she has to drive like half an hour each way twice a day to pick him up and drop him off and she does everything she's she's amazing (laughs) yeah all right so you just mentioned therapies and doctor's appointments. You have a child with special needs. You have a, you have a, your son has autism. Mm-hmm. How has that, and that was diagnosed, I think, while you were in medical school. Yes. <laughs> that throws a wrench into things. How has that impacted your ability to, to focus and study? And how, how much of a distraction has that been for you as a parent? Um, 
I'll be honest, before he was diagnosed, it was a lot harder um, because he needs constant one-to-one. He has issues with eloping, issues with getting kind of aggressive at times. Um, so especially when COVID started and it was just him and I for a few months, there, there was not much successful studying occurring. Um, so it, it was more difficult before he ended up having his therapies and now he's got a good routine, um, goes to his special school that has some of his therapies kind of intertwined with it, which makes things a little bit easier. And he's starting to learn some of those skills. So he doesn't need to be constantly attended to anymore. He doesn't need to be watched 24 seven. We're not afraid of him running out the front door and down the street. Um, so now that he's diagnosed, it's actually much easier mm. than it was the first two years. Um, but it was, it was definitely an interesting adventure <laughs> and yeah. it, was also a reminder of, you know, this is, this is the type of kid that I want to be able to work with. So it kind of kept me motivated at the same time as frustrating yeah. me to know. <laughs> Isn't it weird? Like uh, how life is just weird. Call it fate, call it whatever you want. Uh, like your focus was helping kids with autism. And here you are a parent of a kid with autism. Uh, I I have a daughter with um, neurologic uh, uh, special needs. My wife's a neurologist. It's like, really? Come on, universe. (laughs) Like, we we don't need this. Um, So it's, it's very interesting how that just, it just seems to work out that way. It does. It just, it seems to go that way. And I feel really lucky that my whole journey really kind of started by working with kids with autism and down syndrome, because even before he was diagnosed, I had some tools already in that toolbox of how do, how do I help him? How do I keep him safe while I'm studying? Um, you know, how do I make sure that everybody at school knows who he is? So if he does take off, they know who he belongs to. (laughs) Yes. You got to put an air tag on him. That's what you need. Um, yeah, they actually have those. It's yes. Great. Oh, I know. <laughs> they can go on their shoe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're a fourth year student. You have a, another year. You mm-hmm. sounds like you haven't changed your mind in terms of what you hope your future specialty will look like. And and having a child now that that specialty impacts, I think, is even um, uh, hits closer to home for you and, and motivates you even more. Looking forward, residency is no walk in the park either. This, are you going to drag mom to wherever you need to drag her and you'll figure it out as yep. you go? <laughs> yes, she she is fantastic. She was like, I've been in it for the long haul as, as long as you take care of me when I'm old. <laughs> there you go. That's the trade-off. So, yes. So I will take care of her when she is old. Yeah. And she she is a young grandma, which is yeah. great because she still has a lot of energy. But That's good. yeah, she'll be coming with. <laughs> That's good. How do you, um, obviously with with multiple households, so to speak, um, to, to move and think about in terms of location um, and knowing uh, your child's needs, that I'm assuming is going to limit potentially where you can apply for residency. How are you doing that research now 
and potentially having those same conversations that you had with the medical schools to be like, hey, (laughs) if I come to residency here, here's what you're going to get. How are you going to support me? Are you having those conversations? Is it? Yes. Does that scare you? Like they're not going to want to deal with me. It's a little nerve wracking. And at the same time, I know if I go to a residency that's not willing to accept me and my child who probably will need uh, some extra help and mm-hmm. getting things set up. I'm sure that they'll run into him at some point. Yeah, um, It's not a residency I want to go to. I would be absolutely miserable. So one of the first things that I'm doing is checking anywhere that has good autism services. Mm-hmm. Um, that's absolute. That is not negotiable. So anywhere, any location that doesn't have any autism services, it's I can't even look at the residency. Um, so that's helped narrow down my choices a little bit for me, whether I want it to or not. Yeah. And then I've also started looking at programs as I've started kind of narrowing it down more. I've started calling programs. I've started having active meetings with their residents, with the program directors, with people who are now attendings who went through the residency And I think I started that in November of last year and really started reaching out. So they, they are aware that I have a child with special needs. They are aware that I have all of these questions. Um, I've asked some really strange questions for a medical student. Like, you know, what's your insurance like? What, what does it cover as far as ABA therapy or yeah. music therapy because a lot of the insurances have caps and those therapies are very expensive. Yeah. Um, you know, what type of services do you have? What type of research do you have as far as like autism and different programs to create in schools? What do you have for advocacy options? Mm-hmm. Um you know, how, how much is that interspersed throughout the residency? Like, how is it going to be one rotation? And then I'm not going to see that population (laughs) again until I graduate. Yeah. Probably not the best thing for me when what I want to do. Um, so it's been a lot of asking questions, um, reaching out directly and saying, Hey, can, can I have like a video chat and have an informational interview for 15 minutes? And how has that been received? actually really well. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I've had a lot of phone calls. I've had a lot of emails, um, you know, setting up more video chats over the next few weeks. I'm taking my level two boards in two weeks. Okay. So as soon as that's done, I have a few different video calls set up with yeah. program directors to kind of go over those special needs that I may have as a mom to a kid who needs these extra therapies. And just some of the things that most medical students really wouldn't think about. So they're not on a residency website. You kind of have to go to the source. Yeah. Uh, That's the, I I just love the amount of intentionality that you have put into everything that you do. Um, I don't think, I don't, I don't think, I don't think anyone uh, does it. Uh, I don't think, I, I don't think enough people do it. Uh, a lot of people just go through life, especially this pre-med journey and just like, oh, whatever, I'll figure it out. Oh, whatever. And and the fact that you're out here just knocking on doors and sending emails and, and obviously doing it in some sort of respectful, tactful way to get the responses that you're getting from these people is just, that's just how to do life, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. How, how, did, how did you figure that out? Um, 
I think I started having to figure it out when I was advocating for myself. Um, like a lot of moms to kids with autism, I have a little bit of neurodivergence myself, not autism, but I do have some um, issues with attention. I'm sure you can kind of see I move around a lot. I fidget a lot. It's how I focus my body so I can listen and get through things. So I had to learn how to advocate for myself pretty young Mm. of this is what I need to be successful. And this is what I can bring to the table, but I need your help to make sure that I can be the best person that I can. And by learning how to advocate for myself, even in my teenage years, um, I think that that's really helped me get to the point where I'm not as scared or as shy to just kind of walk up and be like, hi, I have a lot to bring to the table. I'd be an excellent person for you, (laughs) but you also need to be a good fit for me. So what can we do to talk? (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So as you look back at your, your journey, is there anything that you would do different? Any any hiccups along the way that that maybe you caused because you made a wrong decision and it kind of detracted you a little bit? Um, I would say make sure that you're taking the time to go through all of your prerequisites, really understanding them. Um, I went through and scored really well on my prerequisites, but I didn't completely understand them, and that made my first semester of medical school so much harder than it had to be (laughs) Um, because it was like I was relearning it. So don't, don't rush the journey. Even if you're a non-traditional student and even if you're like me and you know, like a dog with a bone, I just go for it and I don't stop. Try to take a step back and Mm. try to breathe and stop a little bit because once you get to medical school, it doesn't slow down. It doesn't get any better. It gets worse. So if you, (laughs) If you're, you know, going a hundred miles a minute to try and get to your goal and you're just doing that, you're going to burn out before you start medical school and it just makes things so much harder. So take that time to really understand it. Take the time. If you feel like I'm getting older, um, I turned 31 yesterday. Happy birthday. Thank you. (laughs) Um, but you know, I kind of had that sensation of, geez, I'm, I'm already kind of late to the game. I'm a career changer. Like I've got a retirement account started, but at the same time, I'm late to the game and I need to just go for it. And I didn't, I could have taken an extra year and it would have been fine. It would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always easier on this side of things to go. It's just a year. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, But it's, it's, uh, it's, you'll always be fine. So for the, for the single mom out there and the single dad out there, who want to go to medical school, but don't know if they can do it. What do you say to them? Reach out, ask, ask schools, ask parents, um, look at the areas, take a look at the schools. If you have one that's super competitive and they expect a whole lot of research during medical school, they honestly may not be the best med school for you, Mm -hmm. but there is a medical school, I think for everybody who really wants to do this. You just have to find the right fit. And sometimes that means doing a whole lot of research and even delaying applying because you're doing your research. 
Um, and other times it means that you already have a good idea and you're going to be reaching out to those schools and saying, what can you do to help me? Reach out to family and friends, see if any of them are willing to help you if they're in the area. Um, and yeah, the big thing is build your support systems and go from there and make sure that wherever you go, you're going to have that support because you are going to need it. All right. So there you have it again, Megan talking about her journey to medical school and everything that she's doing now to prepare for residency applications. Amazing support system from her mom, from her classmates and everyone else around her. I hope this was a helpful interview for you. Hopefully it gives you a lot of encouragement if you're a single mom or single dad out there and you're dealing with all of the headaches that come with being a parent and trying to be a student and all of that fun stuff. I hope this was uh, was good for you. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.